Hey Zoe Church, uh, this past Sunday we kicked off our brand new teaching series, Jesus Talks Money. And we're just taking a couple weeks to talk about, okay, what does Jesus have to say about our money? Now, in our world, there's three things you're never supposed to talk about. You're, you're not supposed to talk about religion because it makes people feel uncomfortable. And you're not supposed to take a, talk about politics because these days it turns into a fight. <laughs> but the third thing you're, you're not supposed to talk about is money. We're just not supposed to talk about it. And I think part of the reason is why is we naturally fall into a comparison trap. When you talk about money, either you feel really bad about yourself, you get depressed because the other person has more stuff than you do, or you feel too good about yourself. You, you get a little arrogant because you're better off than the person you're talking to. I don't think either of those is a good thing. But in the church, when it comes to money, I think we can err on one of two sides. We can either talk about money too much you know, and maybe you know what I'm talking about, the televangelist that's always asking for money, you know, if you plant a $100 seed, you can buy me a plane, you know, it's just a little ridiculous, you know. But in the church, we can also talk about money too little. Because the reality is it's, it's a little uncomfortable. It, it can be a little awkward. Honestly, for me, it can be a little awkward talking about money and talking about people's money because I know it's not something we all necessarily, necessarily want to deal with. But the fact is, as your pastor, I am failing you if we don't talk about money. Like, I'm not doing my job if we don't talk about money. And it's not because of what it does for me or because of what it does for Zoe Church. It's really about you, what it does for you and your, your personal faith walk, what it does for the health of the finances in your own home. I mentioned this uh, a week or two ago, but uh, I've always looked at the church and, and noticed something, that a lot of times we let uh, people go through the Christmas season and and maybe make some bad financial decisions, things get a little hard. And then somewhere in January or February, uh, we say, you know what, we should probably talk about money because people are struggling. But, but I, I always said, if I was gonna lead a church, I think we should talk about money before we get to Christmas season, before we dig ourselves in a hole, before we make poor decisions. How can we have wise lives when it comes to our finances? But I don't think this financial thing is just a Christmas thing. I think we all know, like if you're honest with yourself, like, finances is, is just a challenge, you know? They say that one of the leading causes of divorce and relationship problems is financial, right? And we all know this, whether you're married or not, like, finances just cause tension. When you have to deal with money, it just produces tension in our lives. You know, I dreamed of winning the lottery. I mean, I, maybe you've dreamed of winning the lottery as well, which is a challenge for me because I've never played the lottery. But I, I've thought about win winning the lottery and not because I want to buy all this stuff, but, but I've thought to myself, man, it'd be great if I didn't have to think about money. But the truth is, whether you have money or you don't have money, you got to think about money. It's something that influences every part of our lives. And I think this is why Jesus spends so much time talking about our money and our stuff. In fact, other than speaking about the kingdom of God, Jesus doesn't talk about anything as much as he talks about our money and our possessions and our stuff. He has a lot to speak about that. And so what we're gonna do over the next couple weeks is look at what did Jesus have to say about our money and our stuff. And if we're gonna be followers of Christ, then we have to include our finances into that equation. What does he have to say and how can we live that out? Now the reality is in three weeks, I can't say everything Jesus had to say about money. We're not gonna get through everything. Um, so here's a promise I have for you. The promise is that we are gonna talk about finances on a regular basis around here. We're gonna allow that to be something we talk about because it's that important, all right? But the goal for this three-week series is that over these three weeks, each week, I wanna bring out one principle that Jesus talked about money. And my hope is that we'll have a takeaway, three separate takeaways 
for how we need to deal with our finances. And my hope is that this will guide us in our understanding of money, but also that it will challenge our hearts and challenge our wallets, all right? So I encourage you to stick with us over these few weeks. And my prayer is that at the end of this, that not only will we have a better Christmas season where our finances are in better control, but I think we'll have a better understanding of finances moving forward. I invite you to join us for the rest of this message. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. As always, if you don't have a Bible, really important this series. We're going to be digging through passages. So if you forget it ever, you can borrow one at the, from the table at the back of the room. If you don't own a Bible, that's our gift to you. You can take it, put your name in it. We want you to have a Bible, all right? Would you stand with me as we're going to read our text today? As always, nothing sacred about standing. It's just what we do, just our tradition around here. Matthew 6, beginning of verse 19, says this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Let's pray together. God, we, we come to you and we just say, honestly, we don't always want to hear this kind of stuff, but Lord, we need to. We desperately need to hear from you, Lord. And so, Father, I'm praying every one of us that our ears would be open, our hearts would be open, not to my words, but to your words. And God, I pray that you would speak transformative words into every single one of us. We pray that in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. As always, when we talk about scripture, we talk about passages, what's the most important word? Context, context. We have to have the context. Otherwise, we cherry pick things and we make them mean something that they're not supposed to mean. Okay, we're in a political season, right? Isn't it annoying when you see somebody pluck a statement of a political candidate out and make it say something that it really wasn't intended to say? Like, that's not what they meant, okay? We do the same thing to God's word. And so it's important when we look at at scripture to say, what is the context of this passage? And so the, the passage we just read is out of a bigger section known as the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe you've heard that before. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' teaching. Now, there's different opinions about did Jesus get up and give a perfect, you know, this exact sermon? Or was this just a compilation of different teachings that Jesus did that they put together and created it? But it's very clear that there is a purpose here. That the writer is putting these thoughts together, trying to communicate something. And you'll see what I mean here in a moment. So the Sermon on the Mount, what's the purpose of the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus is telling people, this is what it looks like to live in my kingdom. This is what kingdom people look like. So if you're ever questioning, like, what is it? What should I, how should I live? Read the Sermon on the Mount. You're going to hear, this is what kingdom people look like. And so Jesus begins saying, hey, this kingdom does not look, living in my kingdom does not look like living in the rest of the kingdoms of the world. What is the beginning? You are familiar with the Beatitudes, the beginning of chapter 5. What does Jesus say? Blessed are who? The poor in spirit. You know, those who mourn, those who are persecuted. These don't make sense. Like, this is not who we think are blessed in our world. And Jesus is saying, listen, in my kingdom, it's different. Living in my kingdom is different. We get to chapter 6. Okay, if you, if you go back and you can read earlier in chapter 6, Jesus is, he talks about this idea of rewards. Where do we get our rewards? 
Are we looking for rewards that are here and now or eternal rewards? And so first, Jesus talks about giving to the needy, okay? He talks about giving to the needy. He says this, if you're going to give to someone who is in need, here's what you, don't do this. Oh, look at everybody. Look, everyone, I'm giving money. Look, everyone, look how much money I'm giving. He said, don't do that. He said, when you're, when you're going to give to somebody in need, don't let your right hand even know what your left hand's doing, right? Just keep it quiet. Don't look for the reward here. No, no. Because then your father who's in heaven will see what you did in quiet and he'll reward you. And then he goes on to this idea of prayer. You know, that we see the Lord's prayer. That's what he's talking about. But the whole passage is talking about this. When you're going to pray, don't sit on the corner and say, Thou heavenly father, glorious Lord, so everybody can see, you know. He said, don't do that. Just go in the corner. Go in the quiet. Right? Speak to God. And what you do in the quiet, your father, heavenly father will see and he will reward you, right? And then we get to the third thing. He talks about fasting. Fasting, okay? This is, this is my personal little gripe here, okay? Because at the time, they would make a big deal about fasting. If they were fasting, they'd make sure everybody, I'm so hungry, you know? Like, you know, somebody who does that, like they make a big scene when they're fasting. The one that drives me crazy is the social media fasting out there. Like, hey guys, I'm fasting social media for the next three months. Everybody, hey everybody, I'm fasting social media. For the next, you know, private message me if you, I'm like, okay, <laughs> you just defeated the purpose, all right? He says, no, if you're going to fast, shut your mouth. <laughs> Don't act like you're not fasting. Then your father who sees what you're doing in quiet, he will reward you, okay? You see what Jesus is doing here? This is what he's doing. Then we get to the passage we just read. All right, we turn the page. Okay? And, and we get to this point where he's, he's talking about this idea of rewards, and he's contrasting, like, the temporary rewards or eternal rewards. Do you want rewards from men here on earth, or do you want reward from God in heaven? That's where he gets. And then Jesus doubles down, and we get to verse 19. And what does he say in verse 19? Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Jesus is pointing out the fork in the road. Every one of us has a fork in the road that we have to face. We have to say, we have a choice. We, we have a choice. What are we going to do? What are we pointing to? What are we going to align our lives with? Are, are we going to align our lives toward this temporary or this eternal? What are we aligning ourselves to? And he, the, the, the cool thing with Jesus, and we talked, I was in a prayer meeting this morning. He was saying the cool thing is God doesn't force anything on us. He leaves a choice in front of us. He says, what are you going to do? And he says, one of your choices is you can store up for yourself treasures here on earth. That's a choice. You can make that. It's just a bad choice. Like, that's just a bad decision. He said, you can do it. It's just a bad decision. How many of you have ever had cherry vanilla Dr. Pepper? Has anybody ever had cherry vanilla Dr. Pepper? Okay. If you haven't, it's amazing. Okay? It is like dessert in a cup. Okay? It's like just imagine having syrup and then you pour cherry syrup in it and vanilla syrup into it. It's just so good. Okay, it's awful for some of you, but that's fine. Okay. Cherry vanilla Dr. Pepper. You can you can get it in a can if you work really hard, but the place that you it's always easy to get. You ever been in those machines? You know, where there's like 73,000 options of pop options, you know, like uh, you pick the pop and you pick the flavor and all that kind of, that's where you can get this thing. Every time I go to that machine, this is the one that's taunting me, okay? I want this one. <laughs> this is the one I want. I want to choose this. It's a choice I have. It's a horrible decision for me, okay? That is a horrible life decision. That is horrible for my body, but it's there every time. The better decision would be water, okay? 
but I'm going to just say I choose this one a lot, <laughs> okay? Sorry, this is my weak point, okay? Cherry vanilla, Doug, try it. You got to try it, guys. Okay, it's a, this is what Jesus is saying. It's just like the cherry vanilla Dr. Pepper. It's a choice. You can do it. It's just not a good decision. Like, that's not the right decision. You can store it up here, but we know this isn't good. We know it doesn't last. And all of us know financially, we know these are horrible things because every one of you know what I'm talking about. Because you saved up to buy those sweet shoes, you know, those shoes that you thought were super cool, and now they smell and they're ugly and dirty. You know what I'm saying? Okay? Or you saved up because you thought, oh man, I'm, I need this new cell phone. Some of you stood in line for that new cell phone, right? The new, that new phone came out, you stole, and then two years later, it's just like, this is not cool anymore, you know? I need the next one, right? Or you bought that car and you felt cool in it and now it's rusted. Or you bought that first home and you're like, this is great. And now you're like, it's not big enough, right? We all know what it is to invest money in temporary things and they don't last. We get it. It doesn't really affect us because we end up doing it again. We buy the same stupid cell phone again. Like, I'm going to get the next one thinking it's the greatest and then I'll have to replace it in two years. But we do it. It's just a bad investment. And Jesus is saying, listen, when you focus on the temporary we make all our decisions on the temporary. You can do that. It's just a bad investment. It's a poor decision. But he gives us the other choice, which is verse 20. He says this, But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and still. You have another choice. There's a better option. There is. Although investing uh, in the temporary is like investing, you know, cherry vanilla Dr. Pepper into your body. Investing in the eternal is like investing in Amazon in the 90s, okay? How many know Amazon's taking over the world, you know? It just is. It's, it's crazy. I, I realize that I'm, I, I maybe have caused my child to be a little jaded uh, because I talk to my kids sometimes, and I'm, I, f I find myself making the comment like, oh, man, Amazon's taking everybody out. Everybody's closing out. We're walking through the mall the other day, and my 9-year-old at the time, Levi, turns to me because there's this store closed. He's like, look, Dad, Amazon did it again. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like uh, I made my kids so jaded. <laughs> but, but it's a reality. Like, Amazon's taking over the world. And here's the deal. If you invested $100 into Amazon stock when they, they went public in 1997, when they reached their peak just a few months ago, that would be worth $120,762. A hundred bucks. That's crazy, okay? But how many of you had a hundred bucks in 1997? And how many of you invested it there? All of us, we probably spent that hundred bucks on a stupid pair of jeans that doesn't fit anymore, you know, a car that doesn't work. You know, we've invested that money in something else. And, and Jesus is saying, listen, you can invest it, but investing in the kingdom is far better. It's like putting a hundred bucks in Amazon in 97. It's saying this is a better investment. This thing actually reaps a reward. And it's so much beyond Amazon, all right? That this is a better investment that we make. This thing ain't going away. It isn't going out of style. You can make a better investment. Whether it's, it's your time. And some of us, we got time and we spend it in temporal things. We invest our time. How much money or how much of our time is spent on things that you know don't matter, that you know are not going to last, that are not going to reap a reward for your life now or for eternity. But we do it. 
right? He's saying there's a better investment of your time. There's a better investment of the talents and the skills that God has given you, that we would invest them in something that would reap an eternal reward, not a temporal one, right? And then we get to these finances, the same thing with our money. There is a better investment that we can make, okay? This passage, though, you know, it has a very broad scope, but this passage that we just pointed out is actually a turning point in this whole flow of what Jesus is talking about. There's a very clear turning point at this point. And and up until this, it's not been about finances, clearly. It's been a very broad stroke about your life. What are you investing in? But in this passage, Jesus pivots it, and he comes to our money specifically, okay? He gets to this point, and he's saying this concept is true in your finances. If you look at the passage, the verse 22, it's kind of a weird uh, little couple verses when you look at it. It says that the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. You're like, what exactly does that mean? That's actually a financial conversation. We don't see what's going on here, but in the Hebrew, if you had a good eye, that meant you had a generous spirit. When you have a bad eye, that means you have a stingy spirit. So Jesus is talking, if you have a generous heart, this generous heart, then things are good. If you get this one wrong, how great is the darkness inside of you? That's what Jesus is getting at. This is a financial thing. And then we get to the next statement, verse 24. And it says this, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It's a hard one right there. Because what's the world we live in? It's all about the Benjamins, right? It's all about the money. What, what can you get? How can you enjoy this? How can you live this thing up here, right? Teenagers, you're living, I feel sorry that you're living in this world. Like this whole world is pointing you to stuff that isn't going to last. Invest yourself in things that aren't going to last, right? Invest yourself financially. Live it up. Enjoy it. How can it be about you? How can you spend everything on you, right? And this is what Jesus is saying. There is a fork in the road here, right? There is this choice that we have. What are we going to do? Are we going to serve God and his kingdom, or are we going to allow the money and the stuff and the temporary be the thing that gets our allegiance, that gets our affection, that gets our money? What are we going to do here? It's a challenge for all of us, and it's hard. Because everything, everything that the world tells you, and some of you say, well, I'm not living for today. I don't live for, I'm making good investments. I'm investing for retirement. Yeah, but it's still temporary. Your retirement, that's good. Invest for retirement, that's great. But it's just deferred self-gratification or deferred temporal living because you're still in the confines of 100 years that we get on this earth if you're lucky, Right? And Jesus is saying, that's fine. You need to prepare. You need to be wise financially. But at the end of the day, what is our mindset? Are we living for this kingdom? Are we storing up treasures here on earth? Or are we pointed to an eternal perspective? What is our mind focused on? This is what kingdom people live like. Jesus is saying, listen, you can, you can make bad investments. That's just not how kingdom people live. And you're a follower of Christ, so, so you're going to live differently than that. You're going to think differently. You're not going to just follow with the stream like everybody else is doing. You're going to do the things the way I ask you to do them, all right? But there is one verse that we haven't got to. I kind of jumped right over that, and I did it for a reason. Okay, right in the middle of this passage, there is one specific verse. It's found in a couple of the Gospels. And I think this is a, one of those things that gives us a principle that we need to hold on to. My prayer is that you'll grab hold of this one and hold on to this the rest of your life, all right? Uh, Look what it says in verse number 21. 
Uh, what does it say? For, there, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We're going to close with our big so what. This is your one principle for today. It's this. Your money is a map and a magnet. Your money is a map and a magnet. All right? What do I mean? Your money is a map. If you want to know what has your heart, follow your money. If you want to know what has your affection, follow your money. We can say that we love Jesus, we love his kingdom, follow the money. It'll tell you what you really have allegiance toward. Follow, follow what you're investing in. It will tell you what's most important. You want to know, am I living for just the temporary or am I living for the kingdom? Follow the money. It will tell you what you're pointed toward, what you're directed to. Now, all of you say, yeah, but Greg, I got to buy food. Of course you got to buy food. I got to have a house. Of course you got to have. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying when you, when you look at your finances, you can see, is there any sense of kingdom? If someone looked at my finances, would they see that I am directed toward Christ, looking for opportunity to be generous toward things that are eternal in his kingdom? Or do I look to use all of my finances for me in the here and the now? That's the question. Follow the money. Your money is a map. It is a map that leads you right to your heart. But hear this, your money is more than a map, your money is a magnet. Your money is a magnet. Look what it says in verse 21. I, I love the, the phrasing here, and it, this is every translation. I didn't just find some screwy translation to try and make a point. This is how this is translated, okay? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He doesn't say where your heart is, there your treasure will follow. No, he says where your treasure is, there your heart will follow. All right? And this is a principle that, that we need to understand. This is a broad principle, and I'll give some further application in a moment, but you need to understand this, that your treasure is leading here. It, it, your money points. It points to where your heart is, but it also leads your heart. Your, your money is an indicator for where things are at, but it also influences you, okay? The things that you invest in, the things that you pour out into are, are like a magnet that just pull at your heart. They're grabbing at you. And I can, I can show some of you. Some of you never had money. You never gave a thought to the stock market, right? You never thought about it once. But one day, somebody, you put some money in retirement, and, and some of that shows up in a 401k or, or in a, a stock market. Somewhere. Suddenly, you start paying attention to the stock market, right? Why? She got some money there, right? You never gave a rip about the stock market before, but suddenly you do, right? Because there's, there's some value there. There's something of you there, and your heart is drawn toward that. This is what our resources do. They, they draw us. Your money is that magnet. Whatever has your money has your heart. You don't get a choice in that. You can say, no, God has my heart, but I'm going to do this with my... No. You don't get that choice. Your heart goes what you value, what you treasure. All right? And this is really good news. This is good news, because if the news was this, just figure your heart out. Get your heart under control, and then everything will take care of itself. How many know sometimes it's hard to change our own hearts? It's hard. Like, I don't, know, I don't always know how to deal with that. Like, some of you know what I'm talking about. You're in a marriage right now, and you and your spouse don't like each other. Just be real. You walked in the door this morning, and you're like, hey, Jesus, and then you, but you don't like each other. You, you, you don't, your heart is very hard toward them. And if, if my news to you, if the kingdom principle was this, 
Just get your heart under control. Figure this thing out. Change your heart. You'd be like, I don't know. I don't like them. <laughs> like, how am I supposed to suddenly change my heart? Guess what? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know what you need to do? Start treasuring your spouse. Start treasuring them. Start valuing them. I'm not saying start feeling it. You don't need to start feeling now because you don't even like your spouse right now. Start treasuring them. Make a decision, you know what? I'm going to value them. I'm going to orient myself to value them and to treasure them. Guess what will happen to your heart? It'll start going there. Your heart will change. I've watched this happen with people who work out. I, I had a buddy of mine, some of you know this guy, Brent Silkey. Brent Silkey hated eating healthy. Okay, he does this 30 for freedom, whatever. He, uh, we joked with him for years. He wouldn't let a, a piece of green on his plate. He was a horrible at eating. He, would, he always would post pictures of him in a Dairy Queen cone. Okay, and, they, and he would always be like, how high can I get them to make my cone? And he would post these pictures sometimes because he, he was there all the time. So, okay. That was, he never loved food. And it was horrible. He hated No part of his heart wanted to make that change. But you know what? He said, you know what? I need to do this. This is the right thing for my body. I need to make a change. So he began to orient his up and begin to treasure his, his body and treasure his health. He didn't feel it at first. He just knew this was the right thing. And in time, what happened? He's, he, now he has a passion for this. This heart is totally, you know that he's not faking. He isn't whining like, I just want to eat ice cream. That's not what he's talking. He treasures it. Why? Because he valued it was something important. And his heart went there. All right? This is the kingdom principle. It has application across every area, but it also has application when it comes to our stuff and our finances. Is that when we say, God, God, I, I love you, I love you, but I'm just not feeling it with, with it right now. Okay, guess what? Are you investing? Are you really put, because when you begin to treasure and invest into kingdom things, into things that matter, guess what's going to happen to your heart? It's going to start to change. It's going to begin to migrate toward what you are choosing to treasure, all right? And so this is, this kingdom concept that is it's just so valuable to us. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I'm going to give us a very, very specific challenge this morning. I'm going to get to our challenge before we get to our response. All right? And this challenge this week is, is going to feel like homework. I'm just going to be honest with everybody. And some of you are going to say, I'm not going to do this, Greg. Oh, I got this. And you're going to miss out on something that I think God wants to do through you, okay? This is a two-part challenge. Part one of your challenge is this. Research where your money went over the past month. If you are single, you can do this on your own. If you are married, look at my eyes. If you are married, you must do this with your spouse because having one of you do this is not going to be real helpful, all right? Okay? If they're not in the room, then, you know, do your best. Encourage them the best you can, all right? Turn to your spouse right now and say, we're going to do this together. We're going to do this together, okay? All right, research where your money went over the past month. All right, why am I having you do this? Here's what we're going to do, okay? Some of you are like, man, I know where my money goes. That's fine. Just put, hold on for a second. I'm going to get to you in a second, okay? But at a baseline, financially, we should know where our money's going. <laughs> like, we should have an understanding of where it is. And some of you are going to look at your finances over the last month. If you want to go further back than that, that's totally fine. I'm not asking you where you think your money. I'm saying go to your bank account and figure out where did my money go this last month. I want to find out. And for some of you, like I said, you're going to realize, oh, no wonder we're having money problems because I'm spending more money than I'm getting, right? 
you're going to realize that. You're going to realize you've got some financial challenges here. You may need to make a change. It's possible that your attempt to live and kind of keep up with the Joneses is forced you to buy things you can't afford. Okay, so maybe there's some financial decisions you need to make. We need to cut this thing out and say, you know what, God, I'm not living for the, this kingdom that says I got all the stuff everybody else has. I'm going to live for your kingdom, which means I got I to gotta lay that one down. I need to make a better decision in my home, right? Because it's killing me right now. Some of you are going to do that, all right? So that's good. All of us need to take that step. You know, and there's some of you, this will be an important, just pure budgetary. But beyond that, for everybody, here's the second part of this. We want to ask this question. What does this tell you about your heart? I don't care if you know where your money goes or where he doesn't. Simply bring your finances, have an awareness of it, and then simply ask God, what is this saying about my heart? What does it say about where my heart? Am I being led toward your kingdom? Am I giving and investing in a way that's pulling my heart toward you? Or if I look at my finances, do I realize, you know what? I'm pouring everything into the here and the now, and my heart is naturally migrating that way. Just ask the question. I'm not asking you to change a dang thing, okay? I'm not asking you to do that. That's between you and God. I'm asking you, don't you deserve to ask the question? To at least know where you're at? And to make an intentional decision. Say, God, okay. I'm looking at my, some of you might look at your finances. I know some of you. Some of you give extravagantly. Some of you are so invested in eternal things, you're going to look and say, my heart is exactly where I knew it would be because I am invested. I care about the kingdom. I'm looking, I'm pinching every penny I can because I want to see where can I give more and invest in the kingdom of God. That's great. Some of you are going to look and say, oh my word, I don't invest anything in eternity. My finances are all about the here and the now. And you're forced to then just say, okay, what are we going to do about that then? God, do you want to, do you want to challenge that thinking, the way I'm living? And again, it's not necessarily going to be, I'm going to feel this thing. No, it's God, I'm making a better investment. Jesus says, you got the choice. It's your choice. Where are you going to invest? That's the challenge. I'm going to close just with a story, though, that Jesus shares a parable. Some of you know this parable. It's a parable of the hidden treasure. Okay, it's one of those parables that's super short. But if you don't have context, you don't understand all that's going on in here. And the parable says this, that Jesus, or that a man is walking through a field, and it says he stumbles upon a treasure, and you're like, sure, some guy's just leaving treasure out there. That's not what would happen. They would, back then, there wasn't a bank to put my money in, so what would you do? If you had a bunch of money, you put it all in a big box, you bury it in the ground so nobody else knows about it, and then when you need it, you go get it, okay? Most likely, this guy's walking through a field, and he stumbles on a box, and like, oh my goodness, somebody must have buried their treasure, and they're dead now, and nobody knows about it. <sighs> what do I do? I can't take it. If I take it, that's stealing. So he has an idea. What does he say? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and I'm going to sell everything I've got. I'm going to sell my house, my stuff, my everything that I've got. Sell it. And it says, he doesn't go begrudgingly, right? He doesn't go like, I go sell my stuff. No, what does it say? In his joy, he goes and sells everything he's got. Why? Because he knows, I'm going to sell everything I got and buy that field. And when I buy that field, guess what I'm getting? That treasure. And that treasure is so much more valuable than the stuff I got. I can't get rid of this stuff fast enough because I want that thing that lasts for eternity. Right? See, it's not, Jesus isn't saying, hey, just give it all up. And, and don't worry. 
you know, it's never going to get any better. Just give yourself. No, he's saying make a better investment. Invest in a thing that lasts. Invest in a thing that has eternal outcomes. And I love it because our God doesn't do what he himself wasn't willing to do. What does it say in Hebrews? I want you to fix your eyes on who? Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Who for what? The joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, our, our God, Jesus came and he said, I'll give it up. I will lay down the temporary for something better that's eternal. And that's you and that's me. And he's saying, listen, I'm just challenging you. Would you do the same thing? Would you say, God, I will orient myself not for the temporary because that's a bad investment. No, I'm going to orient myself toward eternity. And say, God, help me to treasure that which is eternal. God, may that be reflected in every area of my life, in my time, in my talents, but God, also in my money, in my wallet. God, may I orient myself toward your kingdom.